Well, recently we in our church have had a, a contest. <laughs> and uh, now's the time of reckoning. Um, and uh, it's been, uh, it was a women's, women's ornament exchange and the men's jerky exchange. Right, okay. exactly. And uh, so here, here, are the, here are the numbers, okay? Where's the drum roll? Drum roll! First for the men. There it is! Yeah! Woo-hoo! Is it, do we have a picture of the men's uh, group there or no? It's not going to... There it is. There we are. There, you know, it was so many of us that we had to get a stadium. We had to leave the building and go to the stadium. Um, uh, actually, the men's number was 60, which is the largest group of men we probably had in, I can't remember. I mean, that's the lo- it was the largest group. That was our first one, so we had 60. <laughs> Woohoo! And if women wouldn't have tricked their husbands into staying home and going out and doing different things, who knows how many one would have come out. But well, it's, we're not bitter. We're just... What was the women's number? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Did he cut you off again? Yes, he did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there is a trophy. There, this is going to be given out each year. But listen, listen. Um, that we we uh, one of the elders said um, yesterday uh, that. You know, the, the, the men in the church, because of our spiritual depth, um, encourage the women, okay, to have this, these 81. Last year, what did you have, 40-something? You doubled your numbers, and we believe it's because of the encouragement that we gave you to, it's the spiritual leadership of this church to bring about such a great number. So Wait, with, with we didn't have it last year. So zero. Yeah. <laughs> our first, how many did you have in your first one? 12, I think it was. It was 12. Well, the trophy is the Christmas cup. This is a Christmas cup given to the women for the women's ornament exchange. There's an excited frame right here. Here we go. Thank you. So I have to thank all of our awesome, awesome women. And now we have to listen to this. The best women in the entire Northeast Cincinnati area. Amen. That I can agree with totally. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Unlike the guys who, by the way, gave out prizes and had a catered dinner. Oh my God. Wait, 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 wait. We bring our own prizes and exchange them and cook our own food. Wait, let us, let, let the, wait, we got to speak the truth here. Okay, this is church. David Mead, our youth pastor, cooked for 10 hours for hours. That's not, he's our youth pastor. He's a man. <laughs> See, they're not, they're not winning well. For you children here, this is not how you win well, okay? <laughs> this is not how it's like. <laughs> All right, okay, um, yes, true. But since we did win, um, we thought we'd give you guys a consolation prize for the effort you put in. Something to get you kick-started for next year. A little decoration for your turkey exchange. I would like all the men in this room to remember this day, okay? And me standing here with a pink tree, okay? 
this can never happen again. All right? What's that? It's the, well, there's nothing wrong with the pink tree if you're a girl. Okay. All right. Take the pink tree away. Thank you. Great job. That was great. That was a lot, a lot of fun. Um, hey, another, some other exciting news here. Yesterday, yes, you can clap. Women can clap, yes. I don't want to see any men clapping, except for me. Um, yesterday, uh, at the Grace Impact Center, our big building right over here, we had 400 people at an archery tournament. All the schools that we've been working with, um, they all sent teams. We had about 120, 125 or so um, participants. And then their parents and grandparents and siblings came. There was over 400 people. We'll, have, we'll show pictures next week. 400 people at the archery tournament. Um, and also, uh, with all the soccer teams and everything that was going on, we had over 1,000 people in the building just yesterday. Which I, yeah, amen. That's just really, that's the vision. That's what we wanted. And that's what's happening. So it's so, so exciting to see all of that. All right, this morning we're continuing our series, Remnant even if you're the last voice. And I want to start out by reading a story by Sidney B. Simon. We always celebrated Dad's November birthday on Thanksgiving Day, even after he entered the nursing home. As the years went on, these events took on double meaning for me, a traditional birthday party for Dad, and a personal thanking for all that he had done for me in my life. When we knew that it might be his last birthday, the whole family decided to rearrange Thanksgiving plans and come together for a huge Grandpa Simon birthday celebration at the nursing home. It was a, it was a, a, a wonderful crowd. Lots of noise and abundant food. Dad, may, Dad was having the time of his life. He was a marvelous storyteller. And here was the biggest captive audience he had ever had. The party was crackling all around him. During a, a quiet moment, I announced that it was now Dad's turn to listen to some stories for a change. I wanted everyone to tell Grandpa Simon what we loved about him. The room became still, and even Dad was quiet as his family crowded around him like subjects around a throne. One after another, people told stories from their hearts while Dad listened with wet, flashing blue eyes. People recalled all kinds of, of lost memories, stories about when they were little, stories about when dad was younger, stories that are shared family treasures. Then someone told the story of mother and the vase. My mother was a short, stocky woman who always bent over the table to read the newspaper. Leaning her elbows on the table to support her chin, her body made the perfect right angle. One night, dad placed her precious gold-plated vase a family heirloom right on her fanny at her body's angle. She couldn't move. She couldn't stop from laughing and screaming for help through the tears while the vase teetered precariously. We all rolled on the floor laughing until Dad finally rescued the vase. The stories flowed. Each one seemed to trigger the memories of two more. Even the littlest grandchildren couldn't wait to tell Dad how much they loved him. For a man who had been kind to so many hundreds of people in his life, here was a chance to celebrate him. A few months later, at Dad's memorial service, we, were more fully, we more fully realized what we had given Dad that night. Those were the stories people normally tell at a funeral. After a loved one is no longer around to hear the words, they, we, they are told then, full of tears, with the hope that the departed will somehow hear the outpouring of love. 
but we had given those loving memories to dad in life, told through laughter, accompanied by hugs and joy. He had them to hold and roll over in his mind during his last few months and days. Words do matter. They are enough. We just need to say them, to speak them publicly to the ones we love for everyone else to hear. That's the way to give back love and our chance to celebrate a person's life. If you have your Bibles, or if not, we'll have it up on the screen, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything give thanks. Paul's message is clear. Give thanks in everything. No excuses, no exceptions. Give thanks in everything. The phrase in pante in the Greek means to consider everything. Consider everything that occurs. So everything that happens in your life, we should be giving thanks for it. We should give God thanks, even during the challenging times. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are or what the situation is. The Bible says that we need to thank God. We need to give God thanks. We need to offer up that that thanks to him because of what he is doing and what he can do in our lives, even through the difficult times. I love this quote by H.U. Westermeyer. The pilgrims made seven times more graves than huts. No Americans have been more impoverished than these who nevertheless set aside a day of thanksgiving. Why is this so important? Why is giving thanks to God and giving thanks to those around us so significant? Because a thankful heart is at the core of what it means to be a remnant, of what it means to live the Christian life. And an unthankful spirit, an unthankful heart is at the core of of the essence of, if you will, an unbelieving heart a person who is thankful in all things. You know that when you're around people and people who are thankful, even in difficult times, there's something different about them. It's at the core of what we are as Christians to be thankful to God, to have the faith to be thankful even when things are challenging. And it's at the the core of unbelief to have an unthankful heart, to be bitter and angry, to be frustrated all the time when things aren't going our way. That is at the core of an unbelieving heart. See, the overarching principle that is set forth here comes from Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, and it says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works for the good of those who love him, Okay, see, if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then God can take the good, the bad, the indifferent. If something's difficult, if something is going on in your life that's really challenging, God can turn it around for our good. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Nothing in this life can happen that God cannot turn around. We can be thankful to God because he will take any situation in life and turn it into something that benefits us. He can take any challenge in life and turn it into something good. Have you ever wondered why you are where you are in your life? 
Ever stop to think about that? How you got here? Why, how, how did you arrive at this place where you were able to overcome some of, the, some of the most incredible challenges? Think about what you had to face and what you had to endure and what you had to overcome. See, if we're honest, we have to admit, we have to admit that much of the success that we have in life is the result of other people investing in us their investment into our lives. Now, I, I am gonna be clear on this because I know some of you are thinking, I am not talking about the government trying to take, six, trying to take the glory or trying to take you know, your success, success in business, if you will. That's not what we're talking about here. You didn't do this or whatever else, someone else did it. That's not what we're talking about. Get the political stuff out of the arena here. I'm talking about giving thanks for the people who have invested in our lives, our parents, our friends, our teachers, our coaches, those, those people who, who at different times in our life when we really needed someone to come alongside of us, when we needed those words of encouragement, when we needed that stability, we needed that, that rock, if you will, of a person in our lives, they were there for us. And I don't think we take enough time in our lives to reflect, to truly reflect and give thanks to those who have invested in us, who have sacrificed for us. The Bible tells us that we should be thankful to God in everything. And part of that is being thankful for the people that God has used to thank God and to be thankful for the people that God has used in our lives and to let them know how God has used them to impact us, to verbally let them know that, to share that with them. I don't think we take enough time. All, I mean, I, maybe, maybe some people are really, you're really good at this, but for the majority of us, we don't take the time that we need to to let people know how much of an impact that they have had on our lives. After preaching a few weeks ago, and talking about the challenging circumstances and the way I grew up in New York, um, and thinking about some of my friends who really struggled through life, and thinking about some of my friends who didn't even make it through life. They, they've, they're gone. And, and then asking myself, how, how is it that I was able to overcome um, my situation, my circumstances, when so many other people who I love so dearly were not able to overcome s- similar circumstances. And so as I processed through that, I came to a couple of conclusions that I'd like to share with you this morning. First, I had the support of my family. Now, you've heard me say I grew up in a one-bedroom apartment with my mom and, you know, all the challenges and all those kinds of things, but I had my mom. I had my family. Growing up in the apartments, um, all, only two people that I know had fathers. Everyone else, it was just their mom. Okay, only two people had fathers. And the two people who had the fathers, these dads were some of the worst people that, that I've ever met. They were alcoholic, they were abusive alcoholics. And I found out in a, la- a couple of weeks ago how far some of that abuse went. So it, my opinion of them has not changed, it's only gotten worse. The abuse they inflicted upon their children was, was just mind-boggling. The interesting thing about that as well is that we, we all knew that the dads were missing, but no one really talked about it. 
Wasn't, no, no, one, no one discussed it. I knew that most of my friends, almost, almost all of my friends didn't have their dads there, but no one ever brought it up. And talking to Patty, who is the, the woman who led me to Christ, she was a girl then, she's a woman now, but she, she brought me to church for the very first time. And, I, and we talked about her a few weeks ago. And when we were in a phone conversation about two weeks ago for the uh, first time in 33 years, uh, the first question she asked me was, which I found fascinating, she said, I don't want to bring anything up, drudge anything up, and t- you don't have to answer the question if you don't want to. And, and I said, no, ask away. And she said, now, y- were your parents divorced? Because I don't remember seeing your dad. And I thought to myself, isn't that fascinating? I mean, we never talked about it. We never brought it up. And every, again, everyone knew, everyone knew that the dads weren't there, but, but no one really, no one, no one sat down and said, boy, you know, what happened and where is your dad? Because she said, you know, your parents were divorced, right? And I, I just don't remember seeing your father because we didn't discuss those things. Here's my point as I thought that through. My dad was gone, other dads were gone, but people, most people had their moms. Everybody had their at least one parent there. You can survive, if you will. You can overcome the loss of one parent. Most people can do that. Most people can overcome the loss of one parent as a child, but it becomes extremely difficult when you lose both. It becomes so devastating that most people, not everyone, there are people in this room who probably experienced the loss of both, okay? And because of the, God, the people that God has placed around you, you know what? You, you are, you've made it. You overcame but what I've learned is that most people cannot overcome the loss of both. The loss of both. And what's, what's devastating as well is when you lose one, if they're not around, and the other one, um, let's just say, is not um, up to par, uh, not really behaving the way a parent should behave in your life. See, I believe what kept me from becoming a statistic was my mother and my extended family. Um, my aunt, my aunt Blanche and my uncle Bill were lived very close to us. My cousin Donna and Will lived close to us, and they invested in my life. My mom put me first. My mother put me first. Other moms in that apartment complex did not put their children first. They came before their children, and it showed. My mother, on the other hand, put me first in her life. In our life, she I was she was number two. I was number one. And she made, she made sure that she, she did everything that she could in her power to give me the ability to succeed, to be successful. I knew I was loved. I've processed through this, and, and I've done this all my life, but the last couple of weeks I'm processing through as I'm hearing stories from my old friends. I'm processing through what, what, what's, the, what's the common denominator here? What is it that allows some people to overcome I knew my mom loved me. My mom would drive me nuts sometimes. She'd drive me crazy sometimes. She's going to listen to this. I love you, mom, but you did. Um, but you know what? I never questioned whether she loved me or not. There wasn't even in the question. There wasn't a question. You talk to other people, though, and they did question it. And for good reason, they questioned it. But I never questioned if my mother loved me or not. She sacrificed for me. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, in everything, give thanks, give thanks. That's exactly, that's exactly what I did. I wanted to give her thanks. 
And before I go there, let me say this too. My Aunt Blanche and my Uncle Bill, here's another reason that I ended up where I've ended up, how God has put me in this place, using the people in my life. My aunt and uncle made sure that we went on vacation with them every year. I can't remember a vacation they probably took with maybe the two of them, my aunt and uncle, but not with the whole family. They always took us with them. We couldn't afford to go on vacation. So who do you think paid for our vacation every single summer, every year? I went on vacation with the whole family, with that family. And my cousin Donna and Billy never threw it up in my face, never treated me, never treated me different, never, never showed any kind of why do they have to come with us kind of attitude. They, we participated. At Christmas, every single Christmas, my aunt counted every gift under the tree to make sure I had the same amount of gifts as everyone else under the tree. Those things matter. You know that you're loved by your mom. I knew I was loved by my dad. He may not have been around, but I knew he loved me. And I was loved by my family. And it made a difference in my life. So God says to give thanks for everything. I can give thanks for that, and I did. I called my mom, and I've thanked my mom different times. This is not like some, uh, the revelation of, gosh, I, uh, I, I always thought I got here by myself. But I went to the depths of, uh, really to the depths of thinking it through and, and the impact that they had on my life and the reason that other people maybe struggle a lot more because they don't have those things. And I said to my mom, and I said, it, I, it was very specific, I thank God for my mother. Then I called my mother and said, Mom, I want to thank you in very specific ways for the sacrifice you made of working to make sure that, that, that you, you took care of us. She worked hard all the time to make sure that I didn't end up a statistic. She worked, she worked. And I said, I wanna thank you for sacrificing for me and putting me before yourself. Not, I, I always thought parents in general would do that. It's just not true. And that 51 years old, that's just not true. But she did that and I thanked her for that specifically, the sacrifice that she made. I love this quote by Harvey McRae. It says, none of us got to where we are alone, whether the assistance we received was obvious or subtle. Acknowledging someone's help is a big part of understanding the importance of saying thank you. It is difficult to look around and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to the people around you if you don't understand that they helped you get to where you are. Personally, that they helped you become the person that you are, that they invested in your life. And if we don't think that through, then we're not gonna be able to say thank you. Do you ever stop in your life and ask, ask yourself how you got how you achieved, how you overcame the adversity that you had to deal with, that you had to face. Have you ever thought about how you, how you got here to this place in your life? Who was it for you? I shared one person for me. I shared a couple of people, my family, my mom, my aunt, my aunt, uncle, my cousins. Who was it for you? What coach, what teacher, what family member, what friend, who was it in your life that helped you overcome the adversity that you faced so many years ago or are facing right now? And have you said thank you to that person? I know it's hard to look people in the face sometimes and, you know, thank you so much for, you know, I mean, you kind of feel good, but do it. Let them know. Let them know how important that, you, that they have been in your life. The Bible says to give thanks in everything, and that includes the people in your life. It includes all the different people in your life. You know, it's funny. It is so hard. I mean, it's so easy for us sometimes 
to, um, to look back in our lives as, you know, as we get older and think, man, my parents were such a pain and my parents didn't let me do this. And my parents didn't let me do that and blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, and, but you have to think about your parents too. They had to survive you, okay? They had to, they, they had to put up with you. I mean, just think about this. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna go back memory lane a little bit, okay? Make you more thankful. Make you a little more thankful. Do you remember the long car rides on vacation? And what you, what you put your parents on those long car rides, do you remember this phrase, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we, it just oh, rings over and over. As a youth pastor before, when I was a youth pastor, and as a father, okay, I heard that so much that it was like, oh. So what I used, I came up with a phrase, a good half hour. Didn't matter if we were 25 hours away, when are we going to be there? Good half hour. If we were 10 minutes away, a good half hour. It didn't matter. And that began to, again, began to annoy the people who would ask me, so they stopped asking me because they knew what my, my response was going to be. It was going to be a good half hour. So you're on this long trip, okay? And then you have the stops at McDonald's. Okay, you think this would be easy. <laughs> you drive up and your family cannot decide what they want to eat at McDonald's. They haven't changed the menu since 1776, okay? They're not going to see anything different there. And so you drive at the McDonald's and you're thinking, oh, just, everybody know what they want? As you're on the line getting up there and everybody's chatting, you get up there and it's like, you know what you want? No one knows what they want. Everyone, and then everyone figures it out and decides at the exact same time and they start firing all their orders at you and you're trying to the best of your ability to cram all that information into your brain and give it to the person behind the thing, but it's hard it's hard when people say things with their orders like i would like a hamburger with no bun and extra pickles um i i joshua okay when he was younger dad's getting the mode of just listening and trying to repeat and listening and you don't even think your brain just shuts off and josh one time said he called chicken sandwiches chicken patios okay it was real cute and so i pulled up to mcdonald's and he goes well and he yelled chicken patio and i said oh like a chicken patio and the person's like, I don't know if we carry chicken patio, sir. I'm like, <laughs> so you get up to the window and they're ordering things like, I would like a Big Mac with, uh, with uh, uh, light onions, uh, no ketchup, uh, two pieces of cheese, thinly sliced, no special sauce, and can you, can, you pick the, can you pick the sesame seeds off the bun? It's like, and you're supposed to remember all these things, and they, uh, uh, okay, I gotta calm down for a second. A month ago, we went to McDonald's, and I ordered in, ah, three seconds, okay? You drive up, you know what you want. How long does it take you to say, can I have a number one? Anybody wanna time me? Can I have a number one? Okay, maybe they ask you, what would you like to drink? And you know what you want to drink, and so you tell them it takes all two seconds or three seconds. I get up and get it done in three seconds. Deb is, <laughs> Deb is deciding what she wants at McDonald's. And, and you're sitting there, and the minutes feel like they're going, it's like, it feels like an hour, because the person's saying, is there anything else? Is there anything else? For the love of Pete, is there anything else? Because the person's thinking the same thing you're thinking. Life is short. Just order. Order something, you know? And so I did what every man only dreams of doing. She asked me one more time, and I said, I'm sorry, this is my wife's first time in McDonald's, so she's still deciding. <laughs> 
Deb's like, you're so self-amused. I'm like, oh, at least I have to do something to get through this. Then of, <laughs> then, of course, the kids, and Josh wasn't so bad. Kim and Jen, okay, you can tell them. Um, they get in the car, and, they, and your kids want to order the largest drink known to man. Would you like a large? Yeah, I want a large. I want a large with that. And they get the largest drink known to man. The problem with that is, and maybe they've changed it a bit now, the problem with that is the cup holders in your minivan don't hold a silo of Coke. And so you bring it back there, and after all the stress you've been through, all the frustration you've been through, the father, godly parent, drives slowly from the window. But the Cokes, the Cokes then spill over in the back seat of the van, and your children are like floating around the back of the van, and all the Coke that they're doing, their faces are pressed up against the window, and your, parent, your wife is yelling, pull over, pull over to save your children, and you push the button, open the door, and your kids spill out under the driveway thing. And, you survive, and, then, and then finally, finally you get back in the car, and you're driving, and you get gas, and he asked the question, does anybody need to use the restroom? Oh, no, no, no. We're fine. No, no, we're good. Four minutes from where you were, where you had a bathroom, what do you hear? I need to go to the bathroom. You know what my father did when I needed to go to the bathroom on a 27-hour trip? Finish this Coke and then hand the bottle back to me. There's your bathroom, son. Okay. And I was thankful. I'll tell you, no. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you ever notice people over a certain age, they tell stories, we had to eat gravel stew, and we were thankful, right? You, I used to walk to school naked, uphill, in the snow, both ways, and I was thankful, right? I was thankful. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's, it's just, you see... I, I'm, I'm losing. Now, when you, when, when you finally get them back in the car from going to the bathroom, the sugar and the caffeine of the Coke or whatever it is start, starts to sink in. And then the backseat wars begin. Okay? It's not enough that you've had to stop, what, 17 times you're trying to get to your destination? And, the, and, and then all of a sudden it kicks in and you hear, he's touching me. He's poking me. She's poking me. She's touching me. And he, I didn't touch her. And his finger's like right there near her face. I'm not touching her. I'm not touching her. But he's like, ah. And so you say, you guys work this out. You work this out. We got to get where we're going. You work this out. So the siblings say, let's make a truce. This is my side of the car. And this is your side of the car. And you're thinking, okay, that works. You stay on your side of the car. But does that work? Oh, no, it doesn't. He's touching me. He's poking me. She's poking me. He's touching me. And so the father's in the front seat and he's saying, if you guys don't cut it out, I'm going to pull this car over. I'm going to pull over. But everyone in the car, including dad, knows he's not going to pull the car over because dad needs to get where he's going. And so instead, he takes his hand in the front seat. He's trying to grab his whole family in the front seat. He's like, ah, where are you? And you're pushing your little brother into him. I got somebody. Now listen. I, I, I went, we just got a new minivan, all right? And I, we were shopping a minivan. And they have all kinds of technological advances in the minivan. They have a vacuum in the car. Really neat, okay? They have, they have like sunroofs. They have all kinds of cool things in that. But here's the deal. 
Why don't they, well, here's, I love, you can carry your packages now and take your foot and open the back of your car, right? <laughs> that's great. That doesn't help us, okay, as dads at all. What they need to have in there is a button in the front, right? And it's, it's a seat taser. You have a seat taser in your car. And so your kids are sitting back there and you're just like, so help me, I'll push my seat taser. You know, and maybe if, they, if they're being good, you push it anyway, just for the fun of it. Zzz, you know, sock your kids in the back of the car. It's fun. Hey, listen, I'm just joking. Okay, I'm just joking. Well, you make millions on just joking, all right? It, it, well, here's the greater truth. Maybe your wife doesn't order fast enough to tase her. You know what I'm saying? Let's move it along there, Sparky. The seat taser. We make a fortune. That's a business tree. Seat taser business tree. Oh, we need to thank God for the people in our lives who put us where we are today, who, who got us to where we are today. Now, little side note here, okay? I want to do this every time I talk about this. I am only talking about parents, good parents who tried their best. Abusive parents, boom, totally different subject. You, you got an abusive parent. I am not talking about abusive parents. What you need to thank God for there is that you survived them, okay, that you were able to overcome in spite of them. You thank God for the people in your life who helped you through that difficult time. You don't have to thank God. People say, well, thank God that at least they give you blah, blah, blah. Thank God that he allowed you to overcome, that he put people in your life, gave you the strength, gave you his power to overcome the challenges you went through. I want to make that clear. Now, I want you to have to stay in an abusive situation and that, all that stuff is, is totally separate from what we're talking about here. We need to thank God for the people in our lives, our parents who struggled through life to do the best they could with what they had a lot of the time to give us all that they could to bring us to the point where we are. Our coaches, our teachers, our friends, those people who've invested so much in our lives, we need to give God thanks for them. We need to do that. We need to think about that right now. Okay, my, um, for me, the, the second reason, the second reason and the biggest reason that I ended up, allow, that I was able to overcome the challenges in my life, the second and biggest reason is because of my relationship with God, my relationship with Jesus Christ. My relationship with Jesus Christ changed everything. Using Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5, 6, and eight, what I want to do is I want to share with you three ways he saved me. Three ways that he saved me, okay? From, from being a statistic, if you will, and why I am eternally thankful to my God. Three specific ways. Verse five says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I am thankful. I am so thankful for God's abiding presence. No matter which way the roads of life may take you, what path life takes you down, you can know that you have a God who will always be with you. He will never leave you. He will never let you walk alone on that road. And we can be thankful for his abiding presence. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, it says this, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10, it tells us, so do not fear, for I am with you. 
Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Next, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 6, it continues, So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I am thankful for God's assisting presence in my life that God is a God who assisted me through all the difficulties and challenges of my life. The word helper comes from the Greek word, which means to run, to run. The idea is that when we're going through difficult and challenging circumstances in our lives, God runs to us to give us aid and comfort. He runs to us. It's not just some God out there somewhere. Our God runs to us. He comforts us. He comes around us. John chapter 14 and verse 16 says that he is our comforter. And the word comfort in the Greek is the word paraclete. It's the word paraclete. One called alongside of another to aid and comfort them. Paraclete. Someone who is called alongside of someone else to aid that person or comfort that person, show that person compassion, show that person love. When I was 17 years old, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know what path I should go down. I didn't know what I was going to do, but then God came and intervened in my life and he guided me. He took me on a path that led me to this morning talking to you right now. And I am eternally grateful for that. I I can't thank God enough. He saved me. He plucked me out at 17 years old before things got too bad and he saved me. And I am so, so grateful for what he's done in my life. In verse eight, it says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, yesterday, today, and forever. I am thankful for his anchoring presence in my life, being that anchor, that anchoring presence in my life. One of the greatest sources of thanksgiving is found in the truth that Jesus Christ never, ever changes. He never changes. For some people, you're like, eh, no big deal. Oh, that, sounds, that sounds neat and Christian-y, whatever else. But you know, I want to tell you something. In a life of turmoil, ups and downs, changing constantly, instability, if you've gone through challenging, unstable, whatever in your life, isn't it great to know that we have a God? We have Jesus Christ who is unchanging from before creation and on into eternity. Jesus has never, nor, he, nor will he ever change. He is unchanging doesn't fly, doesn't, he's not like human beings. He stays solid and strong. And when you live in a world that, of constant change, it's great to know that you have a foundation, that you have an anchor that never changes. I am so thankful to God for what he has done in my life and that I had that stability, not only in some human experiences with, with my family, but on a greater, so much greater level with Jesus Christ who is unchanging who is always there, always assisting, always abiding, always anchoring. I had that. I, you know, Jesus, Jesus, is, Jesus is who he said he was, and I needed that, and so do you. Every single one of us needs that. 
I, this is a busy time of year. Absolutely, very busy time of year, and it's getting even busier right now. But I want to ask you to add. Uh, I want to ask you to add three things to your list. Okay, they're not they're not difficult. Three things to your list that I would like you to 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 think about this Christmas season. Number one, thank God for everything in your life. Take the time to thank God for everything in your life, including the challenges. I don't say that lightly. Even the challenges. Why? Because our God can work in our lives for good. Regardless of what we're going through, he can take every circumstance in our lives and turn it around for our good and to glorify himself. Number two, give the gift of thanks Give that, that gift of thanks to the, to the people who, who influenced and helped you to become the person that you are today. Give the gift of thank you to the people in your life who influenced you, who invested in you, who sacrificed for you and helped you become the person that you are today. Write them, write it real quick. When you have something difficult to say, you say it. So you can see people's faces, eyes, you can, you can, you can see their, you know, their expressions, all those things. You say it and you talk it through. When you have something really nice to say, you say it and you write it if you can. Write it down because they're gonna pick it up and look at it over and over and over again. Write it down. Say it and write it. Tell them. Tell them specifically, like I said to my mom, I'm calling my Aunt Blanche and Uncle Bill today, and probably my cousins, and I'm gonna say, I wanna thank you specifically for how you influenced and impacted my life as I process through why I am who I am and how I got to where I am today. I wanna let you know that you had a great influence in my life, and if it wasn't for you, and you did, you did this, you did this, you did this, and you did this, you may have forgotten about it, and it may not be important, because you just love me, but I wanna specifically tell you how you've impacted my life. We need to do that. And third, third, if you haven't already, you need to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart this Christmas season, right now, this morning. You have to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. Like I said last week, we live in a fallen world. And because we live in a fallen world, our sin has separated us from God. In Romans 3.23, it says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the gift, the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ the gift of God. Jesus Christ is a gift from God. God's answer, God cannot be in the presence of sin. This, we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. God's answer to our sin problem is Jesus Christ. It's an incredible, incredible plan. Jesus Christ sent, God the Father sent Jesus Christ into a manger to be born as a baby, to grow up and die on a cross and take every sin that's ever been committed in any human's life, past, present, and future, lay it on his son. His son was crucified on a cross, rose again in three days, and because of that, our sin can be wiped out because of what he did for us. When God sees us, when we're in Jesus, when God sees us, God the Father does not see us, he sees his son, and he sees perfection. That's awesome. You don't have to be perfect walking through life, you just have to try to be to the best of your ability, more like his son, Jesus Christ. But in standing with God, we are perfect when we ask Christ to come into our lives. I want you to bow your heads with me as we close here.
This Christmas, the greatest gift that you'll receive is the prayer that you may pray this morning in your heart. The gift of God, the gift that God is giving each one of us, Jesus Christ. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, if you've never prayed to ask Christ to come into your life, this isn't religion we're talking about. It's not about going to church. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about a personal relationship with God. I am separated from him. I, know, I don't, no longer want to be separated from him. What do I need to do, Lord God? And it's as simple as praying a simple prayer and receiving the gift that God is giving to you. If you want to pray that prayer, I want you to do it with me right now. You don't have to say it out loud. Just repeat it in your heart with me. God, I thank you for loving me enough to send your son, Jesus Christ, as a gift. Thank you that through him, we have forgiveness for our sin. Father, I accept the gift of your son, Jesus. I accept that gift. I put it in my heart. It's in my heart. And I ask that you would come into my life Thank you that when I receive that gift of Jesus, you also give me your spirit, your Holy Spirit, who teaches me what my gifts and talents and abilities are, who speaks to me on a level that I've never been spoken to before by you, allows me to hear you more clearly and to understand your word. Thank you for that gift. Thank you, God, that I am now a part of your family. I have been adopted into your family and that you will never lose me. I will always be yours. I thank you for that. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Keep your heads bowed just for a moment. If you had prayed that prayer with everyone's head bowed, if you had prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, could you just lift up your hand for a moment and put it right back down? Amen. Amen, that's awesome, that's incredible. I want to encourage you, if you pray that prayer for the first time, I want to encourage you to give me a call this week, to give me a text, send me an email, whatever, just let me know that you made that commitment so I can help you in your faith journey. Father God, we love you, we praise you. Father, thank you for laughter, thank you for tears, thank you for honesty, Thank you for who you are, for your abiding presence, for your assisting presence, for your anchoring presence in each of our lives. We love you, we praise you, we give you this day, we give you this season and pray that we would be worthy of you, Lord God, as we reach out and show the love of your son, Jesus Christ, to all those around us so that we can be the people who others can look back and say, that person changed my life life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great, great week.